morning, it is my pleasure to read you this message for this morning from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us the ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn to war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Advent is a time, oh, that's the other thing I should say, is the kids are dismissed to go to a praise club now, so if you, not you, Ken. <laughs> so, All right, as I was saying, Advent is a time of anticipation when we wait, uh, and it, it be, kind of begs the question, what, are, what is it we're waiting for? Exactly. I know we're, I know we're waiting for Jesus to be born and we're waiting for Christmas and all that it brings with it. And there's, it's a time of anticipation, but what exactly is it we're anticipating? In Isaiah's time, they waited for a redeemer to come and to establish a kingdom that would put an end to Jewish subjugation. Jesus' followers waited for Jesus to come again and establish the kingdom that Isaiah described in the text we read today. And today, we kind of still live in the anticipation of a day when the mountain of the Lord's house is raised above the hills and all people say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And yet we are also settled into a kind of comfortable cynicism about what can really be accomplished in this time and in this world. Is it really realistic, we might say in our heart of hearts, to think that all nations will come together and that God will bring them together and that we will beat our swords into plowshares, as it were. Really, that seems a little far-fetched and unrealistic. Many might hear these texts, these unfulfilled promises that have no grounding in the possible, and yet we are called to live in a hope that what is impossible for humanity is possible with God. And the text today invites us to, along with Isaiah, envisions God's temple on the mountain on which it resides has been raised to heights that all can see so that they might find their way to where God is and all that God has for them. For the original reader of this text in Isaiah, this posed a giant contrast to the reality of the Jerusalem they were living in. 
See, Isaiah records this article, this oracle, when Jerusalem is under constant siege and the specter of Assyria aggressing itself across the the whole known world there. Their aggression loomed large. They had already overrun the northern kingdom and Judah was now pretty much just a vassal state. And the leaders of Jerusalem had to pay them a lot of tribute to keep them off their backs. And eventually, two centuries later, the temple lay in ruin And instead of people flocking to the Mount Zion where the temple resides, the Babylonians took God's people away from their temple to a foreign land into exile. And even when they returned from exile, they never again, aside from a few short rebellions, never again enjoyed self-rule. They were always somebody's subject. After the Babylonians, it was the Greeks. After the Greeks, it was the Chaldeans. After the Chaldeans, it was the Romans. And under Rome, in the time of Jesus, the temple was rebuilt and returned to its splendor, mainly by Herod and a whole bunch of money. But that was a mere facade. For it was not the house of God that beckoned all people to come and experience peace Quite the opposite. As Jesus observed, the Scriptures declares, My temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Then, of course, he tore the place apart, symbolically tearing down that temple. All through these ages, all over the centuries that passed, the people longed for a Messiah an anointed one who would return God's people to greatness, who would fulfill these words, this this prophetic word that came from Isaiah, that the house of God would be lifted above all other places and that the world might indeed find peace in the light of God. And today, it's no longer Jerusalem that is the center of God's promise, but the vision was passed on to those who found new life in Christ. Yet even so often in our own history, the church has lost sight of this vision again and again and again. And instead of being beacons of light that draws all people to house of God, we have found ourselves pushing people away for whatever reasons, labeling them or or finding that they don't fit into the box we have created, pushing them away, telling them, well, you're not quite right for this space. You're not quite right to be in the house of God. Go get yourself right, and then we'll make some room for you. Yet our hope still resides in the promise that God will, metaphorically speaking, establish a house on a mountaintop that will draw nations together. It is where we hang our hat. We hang our hopes on this concept of God being the reconciler between us and finally bringing people 
together, transcending those things that cause us to war and to fight. That someday they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall they learn war anymore. We are not there yet. In many ways, it feels like we're as far away from it as Jesus' time in Rome or Isaiah's time in Judah under the subjugation of Assyria. For many of us, even as we experience new life in Christ, we don't walk on the mountaintops of God experiencing these things that God has promised. Quoting a pastor named Catherine Percy, some of us are stuck in deep valleys of sorrow and loss. Others wend their way along windy paths beset by anxiety of the unknown ahead. Some of us are lost and we know it. Others walk in circles without ever realizing that they're not going anywhere that they have not already been. Though we have not seen this day of promise yet, God invites us to walk in the light of that vision and to hold it out in front of us and let it be the beacon that guides us into our future. In the hopes that while all nations may not be going to the mountain of God, we are at least moving in that direction and pointing the way. The reality is that this vision is not realized by just sitting back and waiting for God to make it happen. Because we, we are the holders of the promise. You know, when Fenwick Fowler and the congregation in the 50s envisioned this beautiful building we sit in, Fenwick wanted it to be the, the, the Baptist Cathedral in Salt Lake City and to, to be indeed, they imagined it here on the bench as a beacon on a hill. In fact, that's why I presume that the, <coughs> that the tower kind of looks like a, uh, a lighthouse. Have you ever noticed that? And if you drive by at night, you can see the light up in the steeple. We are the house of God. We are on the mountaintop. And it's up to us. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a bit of a cold here. It's up to us to be the bearers of the hope that that vision promises to the world that we live in. To create a path for people that they may find their way to God, that they may be instructed in God's ways and walk in God's paths. It's up to us. We who are the inheritors of this Word from Isaiah, we live in the here and now and the yet to come. And we must hold it out there as something for the world to aim for. And we've got to lift it up high so that people can find their way. And we've got to remove obstacles and barriers and things that trip people up. We've got to make a path as easy 
as possible so that people might, as Isaiah says, walk in the light of God. Whether we are in the valley or on the mountaintop, the light of God shines for us to see and find our way. And if we are not that beacon for the world, who will be? And we have, we have done so much to try and be a space where people can experience that light on their own terms with grace and support and love. And yet we've still got to do more. Because there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of woundedness. There's a lot of brokenness out there in the world. And many are looking at church and faith and religion and they're saying they have not fulfilled their promises. They have not done what they said they would do. This doesn't work, they say in their hearts. And yet we know, we know that what is needed in this world is God's love that comes through us to others, binding us all together and lifting us above the fray. Amen? As we anticipate all that Christ is for us, we live as bearers of the promise for what God can be to the world. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, as we, as we wait, as we are people who live in anticipation, we know that this is not a passive thing, but that You call us to walk in the light of God even as we wait, knowing that as we bear the light to this hurt and broken world, You come into it in new and exciting ways. And that Your healing brings us together. May we remember this throughout this season of hope. In the precious and powerful name of Christ we pray.